Welcome to Clear Mind Radio, an hour-long call-in program designed to unwrap the value of psychiatry in biblical scriptures to empower and equip the believer to walk in mental clarity on their journey for a deeper spiritual relationship with Christ. Your host is Dr. Ebony Blackman Humphrey, a highly skilled and sought-after psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner who advanced her clinical training past the steel barrier walls of Harborview and Overlake Medical Center to come to you live. Are you ready to have a clear mind? Here's Dr. Ebony. Great evening. I want to welcome you to Clear Mind Radio, and I am Dr. Ebony Behave, and I am a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. I want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As always, it is an amazing blessing and opportunity to uh, be on tonight with you. And uh, we want to just thank the Lord for his presence because without him, we could do nothing. And so I just ask that he speak through my mind tonight that we will be able to um, go through this content because it has really been transformational for me throughout the week. So let's dive right in. Tonight, we're going to be talking about emotionality. And I know, what is emotionality? And I've been doing some research, uh, looking through the scholarly journals to try to get an understanding for what the social scientists and uh, the neuroscientists are saying or suggesting that emotionality is, and then mirroring that thought with uh, scripture to give some scripture context and then toward the end, throw some uh, psychiatry in there. So as we start off, I want to give just a real broad term. And this broad term that pairs with emotionality is temperament. And in this article that I had read, and I'll post it uh, later on tonight on drbehave.com in the blog section Uh, along with our video that we are recording live as we're in the studio. Uh, It says that temperament, there's variances in temperament. And that observationally is, you know, we don't need um, a control random trial or random control trial, I mean to say, to understand that temperament varies among people. But then there's a different question that we ask ourselves, and that is, why does temperament vary among among people? Well, in psychiatry, a lot of the patients that we see, a lot of times they're coming to us because they are entering into situations, and these situations that they're entering in are hard to manage, and they need clarity because uh, if it's a, a romantic situation, if it's a if it's a professional situation in terms of career adjusting, that they come to us with different emotional panels that they want us to help guide them therapeutically through. And sometimes we can't find a common ground uh, non-pharmacologically, and so we resort to pharmacological intervention. And so that's why you have people that are, that are on medication. And so as, as I was meditating and really seeking the Lord in terms of this whole concept of emotionality, he really did lead me to the library this week to not just be studious, but to get some 
quiet time in reading and processing so that I can articulate to you tonight this whole concept of emotions. When we look at non-human species, and I, as I've said before, I don't watch much TV, but when I do watch television, I watch a lot of National Geographic because I'm very interested in how animals interrelate and how they um, figure out what they need to do in order for them to survive collectively. You can see this in elephants. You can see this in zebras. You can see this in giraffes. You can see this in uh, wildebeest. You can see this across the animal kingdom that they are so in tuned with their collective survival that their brains are synonymous in how uh, they respond, not just to each other, but to their environment. And as humans, we are that way as well. We are so committed to surviving that our brains then mold in the or are molded by our situations, right? Our situations couldn't mold us if we did not have emotions. And so, you know, we're so committed to surviving and, and, and to making it that our mo emotions placate into how we perceive our natural world, which is different than animals because we have a higher intellectual capacity than animals, which is why we can choose our emotions. And that's why some people can be in the same thing. You know, they're similar. They, they come from similar communities. They look similar and they're in similar situations and some of them survive and some of them don't. And it's because we are higher species. We can choose with what emotions that we want to engage in and we can say, okay, I would, I want to do what I see other people doing because they are surviving and I want to survive as I see them doing. And so I'm going to conform to what I see them doing because I want to survive as they are surviving. Now, when I was reading this article, again, if you're hearing my voice for the first time, you're listening to Clear My Radio, and this is Dr. Ebony Behave, and I'm a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, and tonight we're talking about emotionality. But as, as, as we go on and we meander through life, we, we have free will, which is different from non-human species. They, they, the wildebeest, when they are migrating across the Serengeti, they can't selectively say to themselves, I don't want to make this journey again because some people that we were traveling with in years previous, they lost their lives. And so I'm just going to stay put. As humans, we, we can choose. But, but the wildebeest traveling across the Serengeti, they don't have the option to choose. Instinctively, instinct because they're they're motivated by their instincts their instincts to survive and so there's no no food to graze and so they make the journey across the Serengeti because they are driven by the need to have water they're driven by food which is instinctual this is what Sigmund Freud postulated 
that that we want to survive and and and, and they said that we have different brains and 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 my students I was talking to them a couple weeks ago and I was saying, saying to them there's this whole notion of a lizard brain there's a mammalian brain then there's a human brain and these different brains enable us to be able to coexist in our society to move our society in a certain direction but as humans we are not moved by circumstance, right? We are moved by emotional interpretations of circumstance. So as I was reading this article that the, that the NIH produced, it said that characteristics, and we're talking about temperament, of an individual's emotional nature, including a person's susceptibility to emotional stimulation, these things vary from person to per person, from people to group to people group. And, and is this Bible? Yes, it's Bible. Because God in his sovereignty said to the Israelites, before you enter into the promised land, there would, there would, is going to be other nations that are more stronger than you. And so you would think, okay, it's God talking about a physical strength, right? Because if, if everyone is living in a kumbaya state and there's land all around, there shouldn't have been any subjectivity in terms of you wanting to survive versus that one person wanting to survive. Everyone should have this mindset that we're going to survive. And if we operate as a collective whole, and we, and we go out each day and only get our portion of manna that we will be able to live. But, but, and that, and, and this is what I'm saying in terms of emotionality, because God in his sovereignty is letting them know that here, here are some people groups who don't think like you. Here are some people groups who are, who are committed to something else other than giving me glory. Right. Because God has created man and he's created man in his likeness and the variations that exist among us. Only God does know. So God is giving them a precursor before they go into the promised land, because he's telling them it's not going to be easy for you to take. And, and you would ask yourself, why wouldn't God make it easy for them to take over the promised land? Him being sovereign. And I've been thinking and, and, and pondering on this truth because the, the social scientists are postulating that in order for society to go in a certain direction, you need people to cognitively be adjusted to mindsets that enable people to run toward something, stop at something or run away from something. I'm going to keep on reading. And it says here, so not only is there a variation in our emotions across people, there's a variation in our emotions across people groups. And, and they're saying that this variation causes one people or a certain people group to be more dominant than the other. Look at the Egyptians. Here, here is a people group and who they were were able to hold captive 
a whole group of people and in and, and enslave them and get them to believe that the Egyptians had so much control over them and that the Israelites had no other choice but to build pyramids. So, so this is what I'm saying in this article. It talks about how there's, there's this, and, and, and of course, right. You know, they're not basing these things on scripture. I'm talking about from a scriptural perspective that they're saying there's this intellectual power that is governing society and choosing between the different emotions that they want us as humans to press in toward in order for us to go in a certain direction. And you ask yourself, what are these emotions that, that society at large is, is so committed to getting us to bathe in? One of them is fear. One, one of them is fear and underneath fear, there's anger, right? And then another, another one is, as they say, disgust, right? And, 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 and you talk about disgust and anxiety that we're never content. We're always searching. We, we, we were never happy. And God in his sovereignty just exposes this in the scripture that here you, here you have Pontius Pilate is is getting ready to to put Jesus to death and he then poses a question to the people collectively as a whole as to what he should do because he did not want the blood of this man to be on his hands and here the people collectively collectively saying let the murderer go and crucify Christ and, 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 and if you're looking superficially at why God would allow that, you would think, oh, because, you know, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, he just wasn't what they thought. And so they, they thought he was blasphemy God. And, you know, they were tired of people rising up saying that they were the Messiah. And, you know, they, a number of them had been killed before for worshiping false gods. And, you know, they did not want another false God to be worshiped. So they wanted to put him to death. But I don't believe that that is the reason why God allowed that to happen. God, I believe that God allowed that to happen in order for us to be able to look at the direction a whole people group can go in. That that you would, you would put a curse on yourself and your children over a man that was healing you, feeding you. And, and as a, as a collective whole, you, you were moving in a direction, no different than wildebeest in the Serengeti. I'm going to take a commercial break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about this whole concept, group thing, emotionality. We're going to figure this out. Sit tight, clear my radio. We'll be back in a second. There's more of Clear Mind Radio coming up after this on 820 AM, The Word. 
It got an R rating. Most major networks wouldn't run commercials. Twitter blocked its account. Hollywood stars spoke against it. Yet the movie Unplanned surprised everyone. $6 million opening weekend. 93% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. What's so horrible about Unplanned? Could it be that many who support abortion are truly shocked by the real-life story of Abby Johnson? She was the director of a Planned Parenthood in Texas until the day she was asked to help with an abortion. The film has no swearing, no sexuality, but the reality of abortion is R-rated. And when Abby sees a fully formed baby aborted, her worldview changed. All humans, born or unborn, created in God's image, he made us to know him and enjoy him forever. Let's pray more minds are changed on abortion and many people meet Jesus, the giver of life. I'm Charles Morris at haventoday.org. And listen to Haven Today weekday mornings at 11 on 820 AM, The Word. If you have a question for Dr. Ebony, call 800-955-8200. That's 800-955-8200. And now, more Clear Your Mind Radio. Here again is your host, Dr. Ebony. All right, I'm glad you're back. Again, this is Clear Mind Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Ebony Behave. And tonight we're talking about emotionality. So before we went to commercial break, we were talking about how there's a people group that when Pontius Pilate wanted to crucify Christ, that the people collectively said that they wanted to let the murderer go and to release, to release the murderer, but then to crucify Christ. And so we're talking about emotionality and how that can lead society in a a direction, right? And we were saying how in the literature, it says that it non-humans species, they're guided by emotions that they, they're, they fear. And so, you know, if they're hungry, if they see that their resources are dwindling out of fear, they will travel miles in order for, to get food out of fear. Whereas us as humans, we can say, okay, I'm just going to trust God. He's, he sent the raven to feed Elijah. I'm just going to stay put into the Lord. Tell me otherwise. And in, in some instances, the Lord does. He, he provides for you in the midst of famine, in the midst of a wilderness, in the wilderness, he provides, right? But animals, non-human species, they don't have that ability. And so this article, it says that what makes our emotional experiences different amongst people and people groups is one, a person's susceptibility to emotional stimulation, the length and speed of the response, the quality of the prevailing mood, and all the peculiarities of fluctuation and intensity in mood. So when you look at a person, you could have the same situation, okay? Same situation, a person lost their job. And you could go to one type of a person that is culturally, you know, made up of, of a, and then you could go to another person that's culturally made up of B and both, both of these people have lost their jobs. Right. And person a is more mild manner. A uh, person a immediately goes and looks for other opportunities, starts their own business and person B completely bottoms out in their emotions, thinks, catastrophizes thinks the world is coming to an end that, you know, this was the only job that they could ever get. 
and and the same situation, two different people, and 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 their emotions have taken them in two different directions. So in this article, there's a man that's called Franz Alexander, and it says here that he explore, explored emotional states, not personality traits, and he said that true psychosomatic correlations between emotional constellations and is 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 paired with vegetative responses so what does that say that that the focus is on how an individual's pattern of emotional responsiveness influence a person's adjustment to the conditions of life so let me break that down because that seemed like a lot of words in layman terms it says that what Whatever God ordained you before the foundation of the world, we came here with genetic coding already on board in terms of what color we would be, how all our phenotypes was already coded in heaven. And God, because temperament is genetic, you can pass down temperament. And that's why a, a, a son can resemble the temperament of his father because it's genetic. So our genetic coding was already predetermined in heaven. And what the scientists are now coming to terms with is that you come prepackaged with what type of person you are and how you're going to respond to your environment. So much so that the National Institute of Health is is willing or right now in the process funneling money for research, right? I'll post this article. I'll post it. But they are funneling money to be able to understand how certain diseases and disease processes are specific to certain type of people, Right? And of course, they're not looking to the scriptures. They're looking to the physical world for understanding. But I just want to read a little further. It says here, does the person typically respond in a hostile fashion? Right. If you under if you are researching people and people groups, they want to understand is is those people there. Are they more hostile than others? And if they are more hostile, could they could they be more prone to cardiovascular disease? Because they want to understand disease on a on the molecular level, but you cannot understand disease and emotions on a on a molecular level unless you integrate this whole concept of God and His sovereignty. Because if you miss God and His sovereignty, you will think that disease happens to people just because. Disease does not happen to people just because it is very strategic. It's very strategic, just like the plagues on Egypt were strategic because life is already finished before it has begun because God is not, we see him moving in the earth. That's because he, oh God, I feel that it's because he on cue, right? He, he has, He's already designed the earth, the people thereof. He's already designed 
If we didn't have emotions, he couldn't be God because we could care less. Everybody would care less. But because he's given us emotions, we can experience our physical world so that when he comes in on cue, you can have a response, right? That's why famines exist. That's why hunger exists. That, that, that's why people losing their jobs, losing their families. That's why those things exist because he comes in on cue because he's a sovereign God. He has sit on the Sabbath day. Oh God, that means he doesn't have to do anything. He, he's already done everything. And then he comes in on cue. And that's why people who are searching for healing and all these other kind of things. And they're traveling across the Serengeti. God says, you're not a non-human. You are a human. And you can decide what, what you want to do. Do you want to travel? The woman with the issue of blood, she traveled 12 years. I believe I have that number right. She traveled 12 years. If she was a non-human, that means that she traveled with a pack 12 years over and over again to get the same result. And, 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 and God says, okay, you can choose. You can choose if you, if you're going to run, if you're going to let the situation control you and, and you don't, you don't want me to come in on cue because the Bible says everything happens in a time and a season. And as humans, we, we, Despite what society want us to do, whether it be to move in fear, move in disgust, move in anger, move in anxiety, we get to choose. We can say, you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm, I'm, he says, don't even be conformed to the world. That's what he said. He says, don't walk with them. Don't go with them. You can choose. But oftentimes we don't do that because you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to survive. And, and it, it appears that these people are surviving. So I'm going to go with them. And then the Bible says that there's a way that think a man think is right, but that way lead him to destruction because our emotions make us human, but God is not interested in our humanity. He's interested in the divinity that he has given us. He, he, he said, let me make them in my image and in my likeness. That's why the soul perishes not. It has to be destroyed in the lake of fire. Lord have mercy. He has made us human and divine. That within us, this body is a shell. He's made, Jesus' body was a shell. He's made us human and divine. And that's why we have a soul that is connected to him in relationship. And when you are connected to him, you don't die. You go to sleep and you rise again. Right? It, it, but our emotions, is, it, our emotions is like a horse that's guiding our chariot. And, and, and God says, okay, you're going to let your emotions take you wherever. Right? Because he says, he, he tells us, you're not even to be concerned about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. If we're talking about Maslow and nursing, we do Maslow hierarchy of need. And we're saying, okay, if you don't solve a person's lowest level of needs, then you can't even expect for them to engage in higher level function. But God says, don't even be concerned about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear because I know what you have need of. He says, the moment that you start praying, talking, I've already answered. Right? 
because he's he's designed our life in order for him to come in on cue and but our emotions are because now we're going in the direction that society wants us to go in and now we have anxious brain and there goes the lizard the lizard brain the lizard and the anxious brain are married and and all they do is have us meandering around life bumping our heads we have no direction. We have, we have no understanding, no clarity because now we are in the lizard brain and the lizard brain is the, it's the lowest level brain we can have. And in the lizard brain, all we're thinking about is me, 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 me. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm cold. I need, I need, I need. That's what the lizard brain does. The, the lizard brain just makes us just very instinctual beings. We, we can't, and, and, and that I believe that's where demonic possession happens. When you get a person that's such a lizard brain that, that now demons can come and inhabit you because all you're thinking about is the basic and that's eating, reproducing, that's it. And so the lizard brain, what we see now is a bunch of lizard brain. That we can't even, and, and the lizard brain is the conformed brain. And that's why the Bible talks about carnality. He says, you can't, you can't even come to me with that. He says, carnality, I don't even like that. He says, because in carnality, all you are thinking about is you. All you care about is you. And in this article that I will post, it says no higher level society can perpetuate themselves into the future if their members are focused on self. You have to be focused on everybody around you surviving because the wildebeest, they move in packs. And and there's no way that wolves can come and eat all of the wildebeest because it's so many of them making the journey. And if it's just one, you will go extinct. There are people groups that have gone extinct. They are no more. They're gone. We talk about them and some of them we don't even know. They're gone. Their language is gone. Their food is gone. What they eat, what their, the staple of their diet is gone. And so they said, and this article says, in order for us to survive, you have to, you have to have a brain that is not just focused on you. It's focused on the community. And so now when we look at our society, now we see, uh oh, we've turned it inward, uh, especially here in, in America we're, we're we're focused inward and, 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 and we're only thinking about us. And I had a conversation with somebody. I said, you know, we're always looking at God saying, God, I need, if I had a bunch of money, I would give to the poor, but you have food in your refrigerator. There are 5013 C's right now that need people to give them food. And we, and, and we, we dummy down our ability to make a difference and we base it on tangible money, tangible currency. And, and we don't know that giving somebody time, there's so many in Washington state, there's so many children in the foster care system that they, that they're asking nurses to babysit them in hotels right now. There's tons of children that are being, if, if we have an opiate addiction, we have a crisis 
the children are in impoverished conditions because their mother. I, I, I could I could really, if the show was longer, I could talk about what maternal drive and the lack of maternal drive does to the brain. And, and that maternal drive, they have already found that maternal drive is a chemical in the brain. It's in the medial preoptic area in a woman's brain. And if you have, if a woman has lesions, certain places in her brain, you can wipe out her maternal drive. Right now, they, they have found that when a woman uses cocaine, when she uses heroin, that competes with her ability to find satisfaction in caring for her child. They have found that a woman who uses heroin, shoots heroin, she cannot love her child because that area in her brain is already satisfied by an artificial chemical. Right now. And her children are being taken from her. And they says the further, they says the, the longer you keep her children away from her, the worse off she becomes because you eliminate her desire even to want to see them, to know them, period. This is what we're doing here. We're, we're, this is the lizard brain. We're moving, society is moving us toward an agenda and we can't even see it. We are headed down a pathway because there's something down that pathway, no different from the wildebeest that are trying to cross the water and it's loaded full of crocodiles. And the crocodiles are sitting there under the muddy waters and the wildebeest don't, is not seeing anything, not not alerted to danger. They think it's all right. One step out, one crossover, and then the other one thinks, okay, it's so everybody can cross over. And then the crocodiles come from under the water and start grabbing them and consuming them in the water. And this is the issue with us in our society. We are so guided by our emotions because they are choosing which ones to guide us with. Lord Jesus, do it. They are strategically designing society using our emotions. And we are like the wildebeest walking, uh, walk scared, don't know God, scared and going right toward destruction. Lord, help us this. Help us, Lord. We're asking you for help. And as I said, the NIH right now is, is trying to figure out on a molecular level, which people group, which person is more susceptible to certain diseases just by way you, just by the way God made you. And I, and I bless God because in my time with him, he says, you know, he says the trees, there was two trees he points out. He says, the tree, this is what the Lord said to me in my meditation. He says, the tree has gone from being outside of you to being inside of you. We're going to take a commercial break and we're going to explore how Sigmund Freud, how Socrates found that the tree of knowledge of good and evil is no longer outside. It's inside. Sit tight. Clear my radio. We'll be back in a minute. There's more of Clear Mind Radio coming up after this on 820 AM. The Word. Fear of death. 
death has no place in the life of a Christian. Dr. Michael Youssef. Fear of death has no room in the Christian life. Fear of death is Satan's way to defeat us. Fear of death is man's way to manipulate us. Fear of death is not from God. Once we start living in fear, Satan has won. But I must confess to you that if I did not know the resurrected Christ, if I did not know that Jesus who defeated death and the grave is awaiting me on the other side, if I did not know him as my beloved Lord and Savior of my life, if I did not know how wonderful heaven is, I would be fearful of death too. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Michael Youssef and the worldwide ministry of Leading the Way, please take a moment and visit our website at leadingtheway.org. You'll see how the gospel is making a difference around the world. And listen to Leading the Way mornings at 5 and evenings at 6 on 820 AM, The Word. If you have a question for Dr. Ebony, call 800-955-8200. That's 800-955-8200. And now, more Clear Your Mind Radio. Here again is your host, Dr. Ebony. All right, we're back. So, as we were talking about, again, this is Clear My Radio. I'm Dr. Ebony Behave, and I am your host here, and I am a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Very passionately, we're talking about emotions guiding us, right? I have, I have yet to be in a situation. I, I shouldn't say a situation. I should say a session with a patient that was not having an emotional response to their everyday life, which validates that our emotions is the guiding factor in our humanity. And it makes us human. And, and our emotions can lead us as a people, as it did biblically, to where a whole people group, says crucify the Messiah. <laughs> uh-huh. Le- they were led down a path. And this path said crucify the Messiah. They, they, they even wanted it to be on not just themselves, but on their children, their emotions. Because if that's why the Bible says to don't walk in the flesh. He says walk in the spirit so you don't obey the lust of the flesh where you can perceive correctly because the emotions are misguided and they will, they will lead you down a pathway of destruction as it did those people that said crucify the Messiah. And, and God is saying, I have made you higher than animals because the wildebeest, they don't, they, they're fear out of fear of, of, of hunger, fear of dying because of starvation. They move toward, greener pastures they move toward where water is and intellectually they cannot reason that they're heading into a danger zone but as humans god says look don't no matter what he says be still and know that i'm god 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 would put you in situations where you saying uh-uh god this not this don't seem right you want me to be still Elijah had to be still by a water brook. There were people looking for him because he shut the heavens up and God says, go by the water brook and stay there. And you would think, so is he living outside? Wait, was there 
condos by the water brook or townhomes by the water brook. He says, he says, the raven is going to come and feed you. And the raven did was bringing him meat. <laughs> that was like, okay, you would think, no, this is not the right place. Let me go somewhere else. But God says, no, stay there. He wasn't guided by his emotions. He was guided by the spirit within him, dwelling within him. And he could make an intellectual decision based on his trust for God. Okay, here's another person, Abram. God says to him, leave your father's house and your kindred. Leave him. He says, and go to a land I will show you. <laughs> God didn't say, uh, let me, let me, let me tell you all my plans. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take you away from these people because I'm more than likely going to destroy them because they're worshiping everything but me. And I know that already they're not doing that by mistake. Oh God, I could really go there and, and let me pull you from them because I, I don't want to destroy you because I want to call you something else. I, Father, help us, help us tonight. If we teach the truth completely, people will get saved in the large quantities because we will come to understand that God does not need us. He doesn't. We, oh God, this mentality, like we're doing something for him. That's because we're being guided by our emotions. And when you come to him, first you have to believe that he's God. But if you come to him thinking you're doing him a favor, he says, get back from me. You can't even enter into his presence like that because he says, no flesh shall glory in my presence. He will destroy anyone that you can't even get through the door. It's just like somebody going out to a, 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 a club or something and it's a VIP access and there's a huge bouncer, two bouncers there. And you're trying to do whatever you can do to get through to the VIP. And they're like, no, you're not getting through. And you showing them different pieces of paper. This is no, you're not getting through. And they says, come on. You know, I know that guy over there. He's my friend. And then you wave at him and you say, hey, you remember me? And, and he says, no, you're not getting through. This is how it is to get into the presence of God. You, you don't get through just because you think you can. No, because if you get through and you not supposed one we can't that's impossible but let's play like it's possible if you could get through and you wasn't supposed to get through you would instantly die you couldn't live but we know that's not possible so but we're playing like it's possible but we think we're doing God a favor going to church in the morning on Sunday you know and that's why people need prompting and all this to clap their hands and all this you that no no, you don't need prompting. You are just so glad he didn't destroy you. You, you. You're so glad that he gave you his breath again to wake up that you're, you're so jubilant and you so full of life because you know, he didn't have to give it to you many times in prayer. Now we we're running this, uh, prayer circle. It's in the morning. It's at 5 AM every morning. And God has given his people strength to get up and to pray, but we run it. And it's only invitation only. It's only invitation only. And we get up and we pray. And many times in prayer, the, the Lord constantly says, I invited you to come this morning. Because <laughs> many times you think, oh, I'm so tired. Five o'clock in the morning prayer. 
and oh Lord, you know, and then you start praying and thinking you doing God a favor because he want to hear you. And many times in this prayer circle, God says, I invited you. I woke you up. And he says, there's some people I did not wake up, you know, and that, and that really does something to us when we're praying like that, because it's true. He says, he says, somebody, he says, there were, he says, there's, oh God, he says, and I'm going to say it. He says, there's people who last year were planning as if they would have gotten yesterday. And he says, and I didn't give it to them, you know? And I'm like, oh God, that's true. That's right. You, you can plan all you want to, but if God doesn't establish it, it's not going to work. It's, it's not going to work. So, so when you have your emotions trying to make you think that you're doing something excellent for God, you have to then use your superior human intellectual ability and stop and rebuke yourself for thinking that you are doing something amazing because in the scriptures, it says he has remembered our frame and that it is made of dust and he has not given us what our sins deserve. And so never do we come to God in a posture like do this for me or I am going to, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's why there's many people in situations right now that are being guided by their emotions that God has ordained in order to get us to a place of surrender because God wants us to surrender. He says he desires a broken and contrite spirit. And, and, and as God was like molding me, I didn't really know what that meant to have a broken and contrite spirit. And then as God was like expounding on what it is to have a broken and constrained spirit, you say, oh man, it feels like God is going to take my life <laughs> because you're always experience heartache and disappointment because humans are constantly disappointing you. And then God then comes and gives you uh, revelation knowledge, revelatory knowledge. And he says, every soul. Maybe God doesn't say this to everybody, but he sure does talk to me like this. God help me. He'll say, every soul belongs to me. And then you'll think, yeah, it does. And then he'll say it again, every soul belongs to me. And then you say, okay, God. And he says, and the one that sins dies. And you say, okay, God. All right. Every soul does belong to you. And then he'll follow up because God always talks to his people according to his word. He never talks outside of his word. That is a confinement. It's like the sea. They have the sea has a border. It can't go any further. He has given himself a border, which is his word. And he can talk all through it, all throughout it. So he'll say, uh, every soul belongs to me. And he says, okay. And he says, the one that sins dies. And you say, yes, God, that's true. That's in your word. And then he says, the king's heart is in my hand. And then you have a aha moment. And you're like, oh, my God. He, he is saying, oh, my God. He says, when I am pleased 
with a man's ways, I will make his enemies be at peace with him. And then you have another aha moment and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. So you're telling me, God, that people like me or don't like me because you either designed them to like me or not like me. God, this is like weird now, but it's true. And that's why many are the afflictions of the righteous and he delivers us from them all. Ta-da! So we have all of these problems and believing God and we think that it's just happening, but it's not just happening because God says, I will always come in and dun, da, 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 dun, I will rescue you. Dun, da, 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 dun, I will rescue you. So when society says fear, then God says fear not. When society says be angry, God says be angry not. When society says the world is crashing down and the end is coming, God says no man knows when the end will be. And so you're like, okay, so we're not conforming. That's kind of basically what this is coming down to. We are we are using God's word as a directional guide in order for us to be able to manage this life, this experience down here on earth so that he can get the glory out of every ounce of our being because he sent us to the earth to destroy the works of the devil. If you are just now hearing my voice for the first time, this is Clear Mind Radio. I am your host, Dr. Ebony Behave, and I'm a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, and we're talking about emotionality and how emotionality will guide a society. They will pick out which emotions in order to get us to go in a certain direction. Lord, help us tonight. I want to give some scriptures just to give you some scripture context. This whole brain concept. This book I'm reading is called Hardwired Behavior. Oh, I love this book. This book, in this book, it talks about, oh, I got to I gotta give you some a couple excerpts. It says, it talks about the physical brain. We were talking about the lizard brain earlier. And it says the physical brain plays a major role in shaping and creating our emotions and thinking. And I was talking to somebody, I said, it's like, like one of those old outdated sprinkler systems where you can, you can connect your wa- your water hose to it and, and your, the water sprays in a certain direction and you have to move this thing around so that it can like, um, um, your, so that your whole lawn can be watered. And, and I said to somebody, I said, you know, when the water is connected to that contraption, It can only go in a certain direction. And that's the same way our brains are. All we are are chemicals. Our physical body, all it is is chemicals and genes that are cut on and off. And and, and hormones and chemicals cut it on and off. That's all that is. And so when you hook the water hose up, and if your brain has been structured a certain way, 
because of situation, because of genetics. The Bible says we are formed in iniquity. Lord, help, help us tonight. That when we do things wrong, God says, okay, you want to do that? You want to go? You want to do that? You want to touch that? So now I'll just keep forming. That's scary to think about it. When Adam touched the forbidden society, man was, man then started moving like a maze that had its own mind. And, and the maze was moving and shifting so that when the chemicals are uh, excreted, that it would hit certain places that would get us to behave certain ways. That's so powerful, God. And God know it. And I just want to read this scripture because it's just, it comes alive. It says here, it's in 2 Timothy 2.19. No, I'm going to read this one. It says, Timothy, 1 Timothy 2 and 7. It says, for the mystery of iniquity do it already work. Only he who know, who now let it, will let until he be taken out of the way. Then 2 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 2 and 19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand it sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's saying that God then, he can cause your brain then to go back into alignment in order for it to do what he designed for you to do. That means that no matter what you are in, no matter, that's why you can't judge a thing before it's time. No matter what you are in, God says, I can change your brain structure that when the water, when the chemicals are released, that you are found obeying me. Father, we thank you. We bless you. If you look at, if you look at, uh, uh, Tyus 214, it says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. This says that no matter what direction we are, we are, we are headed in, God has ordained it and he being God knows exactly how to bring us out. Well, it's a pleasure as always. I wish I could expound more on this topic. If you want more information, please go on our website, drbehave.com. Listen to the announcer. Find us on Facebook. We are on Instagram and we are on Twitter. I would say good night, but it's not good night. It is until next week. Tell somebody that you've listened and that you have been changed. We bless you. Have an amazing night. Until next week, Clear My Radio, Dr. Behave. We're out.
You've been listening to Clear Mind Radio with your host, Dr. Ebony Humphrey. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Dr. Ebony or have interest in many of the books she's written, go to drbehave.com or find her on Twitter at Dr. underscore behave. And be sure to join us again next Saturday night at 10 for more Clear Mind Radio with Dr. Ebony here on 820 AM, The Word. Oh,